Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And speaking of the illusion of separation, what connects us most in this world? I've just been really musing into the idea of using compassion as medicine. And I know that many of you out there agree with me. And today I'm bringing on a guest that is all about compassion. Because what the world needs more than anything right now is compassion. So the Compassion Games, Survival of the Kindest, is a community engagement experience that invites people from around the world to inspire one another to reveal and promote acts of compassion that better our lives, our communities, and all life on the planet. When John Raymer founded Compassion Games and began playing in 2012, I doubt he had any idea how it would catalyze an amazing, fun, and creative way for people to really care about each other and express each other and really bring quality to our lives and healing to the earth. Playing together has changed the world and transformed lives in millions through service projects, random acts of kindness, and compassion missions, and more. You're going to find out so much more. So how might compassion transform your life? I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest John Raymer is an American entrepreneur, civic leader, inventor, and musician. He is a co-founder of several technology companies and the designer of several deep social networks. His efforts led to making Seattle the first city in the world to affirm Karen Armstrong's Charter for Compassion. This also then birthed the International Campaign for Compassionate Cities, with now over 450 cities around the world. In 2012, John conceived of and produced the Compassion Games Survival of the Kindest in response to a challenge from the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, to other cities around the world to outdo Louisville's compassionate action as measured by hours of community service. And since then, well, stay tuned and listen in because it has been quite the ride for John. Welcome, welcome to the show, John Raymer. Thank you, Dr. Julie. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you. It's good to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to sharing so much more about Compassion Games and what you're up to. And I know it's only just a small piece of the light and the brilliance that you bring to our planet. So I'm really honored to have you here and looking forward to this conversation. But first, John, I have a traditional first question here on the show, if you've never listened to it. And I hope that um, you haven't because you don't get to practice this. So what does, here's my first question, if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected 
mean to you? Well, oneness. It's uh, just the fact that we have to say that speaks a lot to the challenges we're facing. But there's a hum. I'm a musician. There's a tone. There's a pulse. And all things connected is attuning with that energy, that pulse, that sound, that music, that connectedness that affirms our oneness. Mm. That's a beautiful answer, John. And um, I've listened to you play music, and I think that um, I really appreciate how you use music in a lot of different ways. You use it as examples for a myriad of, of ways that we can work together and create more harmony and work toward that oneness. So thank you for that. And I know you're working toward oneness in a lot of ways, but let's start with your story and how the compassion games were born. Maybe you want to go clear back to day one um, and you're welcome to do that. But I saw where you were watching the Twin Towers crumbling in yeah. New York City and you realized that you had to do something, that you, you couldn't just sit there anymore. And the origins of compassion games was seeded back then. So how did you get started? And if, if you want to, John, go way back. I, I just would love to hear your personal story. Yeah. Well, thanks, Julian. Um well, you know, in life, there are these big questions, you know, what are you here for and what's your purpose and does life have meaning? And I've been blessed with some great teachers and um, and with a sense of obligation that we're here to mend and heal and transform the world. That was given to me as a child. That was a kind of the focus of the answering those deeper questions. So I've always felt a sense of responsibility. But I wasn't doing anything really other than doing music and I was in the business world and had some success there until 9-11 happened. Because I grew up in New York, but I had moved out to Seattle. I wasn't in New York City at the time. But my dad was inspired and changed his life when Pearl Harbor happened. And this was kind of the Pearl Harbor for me. It was a sign that things had reached the point where I just could no longer ignore and we'd seen people blowing themselves up. When I was a kid, if you like hijacked a plane, you would take it to Cuba, but you didn't blow it up with yourself inside because of the hate and the rage and whatever was motivating that. I needed to understand that. And that's began the quest to be more aware and try to deal with the ignorance I, 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 uh, I couldn't understand within myself about what was motivating people and why was there uh, such kind of extreme fundamentalism in the world. And I um, worked on that, had a number of amazing initiatives that were all about community organizing, but it was 2008, seven years later, His Holiness the Dalai Lama came to Seattle for an event we called the Seeds of Compassion. And that's for the first time that I had been using music in the interfaith world for a number of years. And music always has this beautiful way of bridging and bonding but the idea of compassion really spoke to me because it wasn't about any ideology or philosophy or belief system. You don't have to have a religious conversion to be compassionate. That, and I define compassion just for this discussion I mean, as, as empathy into action. That mm -hmm. being able to feel another's pain and, and your own pain for that matter. And then being able to act on that. So compassionate action was what 
we knew after the visit from His Holiness the Dalai Lama was what we wanted to see happen in the world. And that event, the Seeds of Compassion, birthed a lot of amazing initiatives. That's where I met Hereditary Chief Phil Lane Jr. and began our work together. And the healing within the indigenous world, which has been a, such a big part of the growth I've had in my own development, is working with Chief Phil and many others in the indigenous world to realize that, you know, our view of the world isn't the view of the world. It's a view of the world. And we live on a planet with lots of people who look at the world differently than we do. And how do we come to understand those differences and respect those differences? How do we connect through our similarities, but, but innovate through our diversity and use the differences that we have, not as something to keep us apart, but actually as a source of our strength? And that's what became the seed of the work that we, we started. Now, the kind of synchronistic event was Karen Armstrong won the TED Prize, which is, um, as you know, you get one wish to change the world when you win the TED Prize. And she wished to implement globally the golden rule. And um, the idea there was to uh, birth a charter for compassion, which she did in 2009. I did not know Karen at the time. And wasn't familiar with her work. She's a religious scholar. But what happened was um, when we saw that and, and it came out, I realized that for whatever reason, you can only sign on as an individual and had this thought that we should really institutionalize compassion in terms of bringing it into our government agencies and corporations and the structures that we've set up to, to operate within. And like, for example, a budget is a moral document. And mayors and cities became a clear vector for how you could make change. So we went and put a game forward to the city council and the mayor of Seattle and said, if we can get enough people to pledge their time and their talent and treasure to help others meet their needs, would Seattle become the first city to affirm the Charter for Compassion? And that happened. It was uh, we, we set a date and a time. We got people to sign up and they agreed to do it. I don't think they knew what they were agreeing to. Um, and I knew that within the charter, you had a beautiful expression of a, a vision, uh, but it wasn't sufficient. And um, that, you know, a declaration of possibility of being is fabulous, but you got to turn that into real action in the world. And the gift of that came, you know, through the idea of collective empowerment. But then the mayor of Louisville, what happened was we invited their team out. Louisville is a remarkable city. It's the southernmost um, northern city, the northernmost southern city. And um, they have a great history. Thomas Merton's from there and Muhammad Ali, the Ali Center there, and the Festival of Faiths is there. And their mayor is remarkable, Greg Fisher. They came out to Seattle. We honored them for their good work on compassion. They, they also affirmed the charter. And then he wrote me a letter saying they were the most compassionate city in the world <laughs> and would be so till proven otherwise. And uh, I thought that was just perfect. And what a, a beautiful way of reframing competition. We call it a co-opetition. We can't lose the compassion games. And how do we really get cities and get the people within cities to not just feel the pain of others, but actually act and do something about it? So the games became a framework for which to do that. We measure number of hours number of people served, number of volunteers, money raised for causes. And um, like I said, it's, it, it, it's a fun and creative way 
to inspire people to go out and do service, anything from an organized service project to a random act of kindness. And this has led to the next evolution about, all right, now how do we empower each other? How do we build this vehicle for collective empowerment? Because we're going to need to change our direction or we're going to wind up where we're headed, as the Chinese proverb says. So the Compassion Games has been a tremendous vehicle for me to learn and to work with people all over the world, 70 countries, We've played the games, and like I said, you can't lose the Compassion Games. It's a culture hack. It's a reframe of this idea of uh, survival of the fittest to be the survival of the kindest. Mm. So you said 70 countries. I just want to – I saw some statistics, and so maybe you can even update these for me. So you've you've impacted millions. So – to me, the numbers are astounding. And this was, oh, this was the first five years, I think, of the Compassion Games. And now you're in your ninth year. So maybe you can update these for us. But in the first five years, the Compassion Games was played in over 40 countries. Now you're 70 countries by more than a million volunteer players who served over 15 million people. And those people include teams that were like community groups, faith organizations, schools, families, government agencies, like you said, and even women in prison. So before we, I, w- I want to ask you how you track those numbers. And I think it's all a part of the process, but maybe you want to update those um, first. And then we could talk about some of those stories yeah. and, and how you track it. Yeah, no, it's really important to track it. So there's four steps to the compassion. The first thing you do is you commit to play, you sign up to play. And then you decide what you're going to do. And we've got a you know, number of ways that people play. During the games, and we do kind of the global games a couple times a year, we send out missions every day to encourage people to participate. But then people do what they're going to do during the games, and then they post it to a report map. That's where all those numbers come from. Mm-hmm. So if you look on the Compassion Games website, there's a report map. And on that map is where people post um, – reports of what they've done and a reflection on the impact it had on them and the people they served. So if you go there, you'll see all the map of the world and you can click on different places and you open up those reports and there's always a, you know, a title, but also a description of what people did plus a reflection on the impact it had. And then some we call compassion metrics. So that's where those numbers come from. People count the number of volunteers, the hours of service, the number of people served, the amount of money raised for local and global causes. And then we can actually even put together a scoreboard based upon that. We don't rank them in terms of winners and losers, like I said before, but communities, there are communities that use it as a benchmark, a way to grow their capacity over time to be more effective at serving their communities. Like we have great examples of incredible stories of people feeding hungry people. I mean, hundreds of thousands of sandwiches being made and people going out and doing things in their communities. And sometimes very unlikely alliances. There was a report, I didn't make its terms a little, you know, edgy, but someone's posted hookers and uh, nuns team up to clean up the streets in Spain. That was one of my favorite reports. (laughs) And, uh, there's been lots of examples, like you mentioned, the prisons where people have brought the Compassion Games to play. And of course, you know, I want to be clear that we're just the platform, the game board upon which this is happening. But there's so much good that's going on that people don't know of. So the games is to reveal as well as uh, inspire. We want people to see the good news. If you look at the headlines, it's pretty sobering. But if you watch the trend lines, actually things are getting better. And so many people know that 
caring for other people is the best thing you can do for yourself. And then that way, the games are a way to, to make that point and to hopefully show kids as well as, you know, elders. We have intergenerational cross-cultural teams playing. Play for Peace is one example. Um, they're in 40 countries and they have these clubs that play and uh, it's called Play for Peace in conflict zones around the world. And they've been a great partner of the games. This is many others, United Religions Initiative and like I mentioned, the indigenous world as well. So it's a gift, but, you know, it's great and I'm proud of it, but it's not enough. That's why we're doing some of these other things to expand what we're learning from the Compassion Games to really empower each other. This is my, my hope for the world, Julie, is that through people like yourself who are reaching people, that people are awakening and, and using that awareness to make change. It's awareness plus commitment that makes the change. And, and we really do need to change. Mm. We're going to talk about some of that inspired action, but you do have some stories that I think are profound. And maybe you could just share a few of a, a few of the stories with us, because especially the prison, I mean, the prisons, the schools, the gangs, like compassion has really shifted the culture. And you're, yes, I'm going to acknowledge what you're saying. It's not enough. We all need to get involved and take this to the next level. But foundationally speaking the compassion games have offered this structure and vehicle for people to engage and to go into that inspired action so why don't you share a few of the stories with us all right well there's an interfaith minister who uh the california women's correctional facility and um she had heard about the compassion games and um with the support of some others in California, they brought them into the prison there. And it wasn't an easy process, as you imagine, you know, anything like this, but the warden agreed. And, and sure enough, there was 11 days. So in September, we do during the 11 days of global unity from 9-11 to the International Day of Peace. And um, there was a woman there known uh, amongst uh, the inmates as evil. And for the Compassion Games, she renamed herself Tinkerbell. And actually, she kept the name Tinkerbell afterwards. And um, they used the games as a vehicle to uh, do good deeds for each other. Everything from putting sunscreen on each other, cleaning up garbage. And the thing that was remarkable is, like you said, and and when you create that context for a a culture change event like that, things happen. They went 11 days. They'd never done this before without a single incident of violence. And uh, it was pretty well documented and, and recorded. There was a video made about it. There was um, a couple news stories about it. And a woman who wrote one of the stories actually also worked at a high school in uh, Los Angeles. And brought. And there was a lot of gang violence there. And the same effect had there, where um, if you put the context, you say, okay, time out. And let's take a period of time to actually... Uh, engage with each other in a playful, creative way. People will come up. They had a wall of compassion in the uh, school. And the students there uh, got creative on doing acts of kindness and compassion and then posting reports about them. And of course, now, you know, with the ubiquitous social media we have, it's easier than ever to uh, record uh, reports like this and incidents like this and we see it. I mean, that's the things that sometimes go viral on the Internet is, you know, examples of people 
doing good deeds. This school was that, and it sure attracted some superstar athletes who came in, and the school felt, you know, validated and, and vindicated by their efforts to bring compassion. They kept doing the games have been played there for years now, and a school can take the games and use the different classes within the school. Like we've done that with Compassion Currency in, a, in Washington State. And then that school's results add up to be part of a district. So the schools challenge each other. So you can have down to the classroom level where classes are playing the games and then rolling up into the schools and the schools are playing the games, challenging other schools within a district. There's no limit to how we can find creative ways to challenge each other to really be our best selves. The thing that was surprising for me in this journey when I understood the root of the word competition, it's competere, which means to strive together. And we have a misunderstanding about competition, thinking that, you know, by putting others down, we're raising ourselves. No, competition is really about being our very best and challenging each other to, to do our very best and, and connect the head, the heart and the hands. So the games are really intended to be a way to manifest that kind of expression of unity and, and collective action. It's beautiful. John, what's the, the biggest surprise as far as someone carrying out compassion, a compassionate deed, a compassionate something? Is there any one or two um, activities that have really surprised you? Well, you know, there's one thing. Summer, uh, my wife and I have had the privilege to travel around the world with the games. And the thing that is so obvious, we've been to Ethiopia, we were in Dharamshala and with the people, the Tibetan people in exile, we were with the Shashamani in Ethiopia, the Rastafari. And wherever you go, you find the people with the least give the most. Mm. It's just... it. I don't know what's happened. I don't know when it got to be like this. But the balance between giving and receiving and the amazing expressions of kindness and compassion you see. Um, just this morning, I was uh, chatting with Nemo Patel and the work he's doing bringing these kids around the world from the slums in India, which is where we've played the games as well. And... Um, these kids who have the least, in fact, kids in Afghanistan who participate in the games, who've lived their whole life with war, are the ones that really understand how important peace is. And it, it, it just was a shock to me as I saw time and time again that, that the people with the least give the most. I wish it wasn't that way. That's an incredible story, and what a beautiful quote, the people with the least give the most with Compassion Games. And I was, I was thinking before you said that of how easy it is to engage. This is free. It doesn't cost anything but your time and your commitment to move from your heart space, you know? So um, you could spend as much time and as much money as you want to create the gift that you want to give forward. But really, um, like you said, the people with the least can get in there and, and do great works. That's, that's a beautiful story, John. Oh, and there's many examples. And that's why we kept the games free, like you said. I mean, how could we do it any other way? But again, it's hard. It's hard. So many nonprofits, and we're just one more of them, you know, struggle to sustain themselves. Um, and that 
dimension of, of the stuckness around the giving and there being enough to, you know, care for the health of the people in our communities. I mean, Seattle is going through this right now. So many people on the streets, so many people addicted to drugs and it, it's, it's, People want to be compassionate. I really believe that. But the institutions that we've set up to, to somehow serve our best interests are, are, are failing us. Therefore, we've got to fill in that gap. And that's you know, what I hope the games inspires people to do is come up with creative solutions. You know, foster creativity to develop empathy into action. This is what I'm hopeful that we can accomplish. Well, it's a good start, and there's so much more to learn about Compassion Games. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk more about how you could get involved, what's coming up on the calendar, and there's a few other things, like what's a compassion relay? What's a champion of compassion? There's so much more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with John Raymer. You're listening to Empower Radio, an entire radio station devoted to your personal development, expanding your conscious awareness, and empowering positive change. Meet our hosts and listen online at EmpowerRadio.com, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, or download the Empower Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. It's free in the App Store, and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand. Empowering people, empowering change. Empower Radio, online at EmpowerRadio.com. We be under attack. Man the long nines. Prepare to be boarded. Flagship starboard bow. What? No, not by the enemy flagship. By garbage. Me beautiful ocean be full of it these days. It flows in from rivers and drain pipes. Many of folk don't know that when they throw trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. How can I enjoy sail me by seas with all this trash in it? Why, there's soda pop bottles, plastic bags, even stinky leftover takeout. Fire at will, men! Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. If you don't, I'll make you walk me plank. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Seriously, though, learn more what you can do to keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking, but no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. 
Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Smile. You found Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and also listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here today with John Raymer, founder of Compassion Games. You can find out more about Compassion Games and John at CompassionGames.org. Again, CompassionGames.org. And John, I'm like, I know you are so much more than Compassion Games, and I want to expand out a little bit um, as we move through this this last half of the show. But I, I really want to bring us back into um, the tagline <laughs> and just muse here for a second because the tagline is survival of the kindest and it's brilliant i don't know if you planned it that way but seriously i want to just say out loud that you know with newtonian physics which was this idea of separation and how we were separate from matter matter was separate from everything and and really it was this erroneous view erroneous worldview we really adopted the mentality of survival of the fittest yes and however with what we know now about unity consciousness, unity like you were talking about right before the break and our late, the latest scientific research, compassion and cooperation. And I'm going to say coopetition. I'm going to add that to those compassion and cooperation and coopetition are essential as we move forward as one interconnected whole living system. So this really is a game changing meme survival of the kindest it means more than just a simple game that um, people can get involved with it really is a way of life can you just talk more about that that tagline and did you plan it that way i think it's brilliant yeah well uh you know what happened it's interesting historically the in 2012 when we started the games one of the people who grew up in louisville is jennifer lawrence and that was the year they birthed the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And the, that's when I thought of the Compassion Games. I said, well, wait a minute, that, you know, the Hunger Games is one possible outcome. And uh, it just very naturally flew out of my wow. the thought. The Compassion Games, and it's the survival of the kindest because of this kind of also these, you know, survival shows. This kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and then it may come down to that future where and I really do believe that I really do think that, you know, love wins. And I do believe that when you start from that place, that the outcome is just immeasurably different and not the fear, but the love and bringing kindness and caring and empathy into action, you know, is is really the difference maker. And that, by the way includes for yourself. I mean, we've learned over time the different dimensions. It's compassion for others, it's compassion for the earth, all living beings, yes. But the hardest part often is compassion for yourself. And that's part of why I was so moved by Chief Phil Lane Jr.'s work. And he shared with me that guiding principles, 16 principles summarized with this beautiful statement, starting from within, working in a circle, in a sacred manner, 
and heal and develop ourselves, our relationships in the world. So I do think survival of the kindest uh, is going to be one of those stare at your belly button moments. We say, listen, how are we going to make it on this earth if we're not going to be looking out for each other and doing such with kindness and compassion? Yeah. yeah. Survival of the kindness. It, it kindest. It, it's like a, um, it's the music of the blueprint. It's the music of the template of how we are going to survive is really that, that kindness. So thank you for bringing that in. Okay. So there's, lots of ways people can get involved individually as groups, but there's also things like you, you have um, games September and April of every year. we got one coming up now. You have a compassion relay. You have champions of compassion. Can you just give us a little more of those details? And then we'll kind of talk about what other evolutionary, we have a lot of evolutionary leaders that, that tune in and listen to our show. And, and I want to give them um, some inspiration of, of some of the other projects you're working on as well. But tell us about the September, April, and what are those other things? Yeah. So a couple times a year, we've uh, kind of, so let's sync up and do these games globally. So there's three times during the year. We've done more, but what we've done regularly now is also World Interfaith Harmony Week. That's the first week of February. It was King of Jordan who put this idea forward. And we're in Ethiopia in 2018. We're in New York City during, we were together actually for that, um, World Interfaith Harmony Week, first week of February. Then around Earth Day in April. So we usually start almost a month before to kind of build momentum for the games. And that's where the Compassion Torch and the Compassion Relay come into form, where uh, we're bringing light to different leaders of compassion, examples and of organizations and groups and alliances and individuals that are leading the way to this more compassionate world. So then the games in April uh, around Earth Day and then in September around the International Day of Peace and working with We the World and Rick Olfick, the 11 Days of Global Unity. That was an amazing story unto itself, you know, where 9-11 in 2001 was the International Day of Peace that day. And uh, they moved and fixed it permanently on September 21st. So now every year for those 11 days, we participate in the games. But people can play the Compassion Games any day and every day, and they do. And we love that. Schools take it up. Faith groups do. You know, communities can. So those are three times during the year where people can sign up, where we put out missions, and we support and encourage people to play and post their reports on the report map. Beautiful. So no matter when you're listening to this program, you can get involved no matter what. So what is a champion of compassion? Well, we in doing the relay, passing the torch, we wanted to uh, highlight particular individuals and examples of communities and individuals and groups and organizations and communities that are doing outstanding things. So we've brought the torch all over the world to already many, many organizations doing great things. They're using it in um, Silicon Valley to upcoming games in April to help highlight the work on houselessness there. Believe it or not, with all the money in Silicon Valley, a huge issue. They have 8,500 people that are homeless there, and they can't figure out a solution. And But there are groups there, Destination Home and others, that we're bringing the torch to. So this is an example of champions and bringing them together to participate in the games. That's one of the best things that happens. It's a good example of collective impact in communities. So the relay and the torch are used to um, to bring light 
to those who are going to exceptional extremes to do great work in communities that often don't get recognized. Beautiful. Yeah, as, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking about um, Nebraska. It's the spring of 2019. We just had these incredible floods. A big part of our state is still underwater and compassion is everywhere. I mean, if you live in Nebraska, you're resilient, you're strong, but you're compassionate. We just take care of each other and it's a natural extension of, of who we be in the world, you know, and I'm just thinking about all those different individuals and organizations working and, and reaching out and practicing compassion, putting it into action. Wow. And bringing light to them. That'd be beautiful. I mean, that's a great way. I mean, you know, that's exactly what you want to amplify in the world is let people yeah. know about those selfless acts, people. And that's why they're secret agents of compassion, because sometimes people don't want any credit for what they do. And that's fine. When you report on the report map, you can be anonymous for just that reason, because we know the people that are doing these good deeds are not motivated for credit. But at the <laughs> same time, it'd be helpful for others to hear about them so they can realize that they can do it, too. I like that. Secret agents of compassion. So if you're listening and you want to be a secret agent of compassion, there's a place for you. That's, that's wonderful. Wow. Okay, John. So I know there are a lot of benefits and before we switch gears here, do you want to say anything about the different kinds of benefits of playing the game? I know you outlined several of them on the website and I think all of our listeners already have a good view of, of, of benefits, but is there anything else you want to add before we kind of expand our conversation here? Well, you got to know the network to knit the network. So what's great about the games is that it's a great excuse to get to know what else is going on in your community. So this whole idea of multi-stakeholder partnerships and the ability to bring different faith traditions together, schools, foundations, businesses, government agencies, that's the kind of unifying effect the games can have. And I think that's one of the really um, often missed opportunities when people think about the games. I mean, there's a bunch of things the games do. Um, they certainly strengthen the desire for making change in communities. But sometimes just getting to know each other and being aware of what is already happening in the community, that's an important place to start. And having a framework for measuring and you know, up-leveling what change is looking like and, and, and the results. Oftentimes, it's such a good, healthy process to just discuss, well, how are we going to measure the impact we're having? The, the discussion is sometimes as important as the outcomes. And, and it, it starts to build that kind of greater awareness of what's already happening and how we can strengthen and support that in the process. So... This is a beautiful framework. It's an invitation for everyone and anyone, and it's free. And and the creativity, the potential, the opportunities are endless here. And yet, as you mentioned earlier in the show, sometimes it feels like it's not enough. Now, just looking at the impact that Compassion Games has had collectively, it's a beautiful story, but I'll agree with you. There are how many billions of people that don't even know about Compassion Games, right? There are how many billions that I'm sure there's compassion happening in action everywhere, but yet 
we have that need to begin to synergize, to begin to weave these threads together to create a more resilient and compassionate world here. So let's just talk about that because you've been working tirelessly over the last year, bringing forward um, new ways for us to really work together in synergy as different organizations. Do you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about what else you're working on, John? Yeah, well, it's really an extension for the games, you know. In working with the teams, you come to see that a lot of them are suffering from the same challenges. We all have the same challenges. We're doing good things in our community, but we need to get the word out. So how do you get more reach? And when you reach more people, how do you engage with those people effectively? Right now, we're in a whole new revolution and medium of technology that's changing how we communicate. So can you find people and meet them where they're at? There's all these different touch points, you know, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or, you know, YouTube, we have all these different ways to, to communicate with each other. And, and how do we then up level the kind of changes that we're making so that they are behavior changes? We need to not just do good in the world, which the games is great for, and it's great to see all the good in the world, but we want to get people to want to change. We want empowerment the goal of collective empowerment. So there's one compassion game that we've come up with that we think could be a game changer for all of us. And it's called Let's Make Waves. We want to make waves. And we want to make waves by sharing and caring about each other. And um, as you know, Julie, we've started this alliance of teams, of organizations working together for the idea of collective empowerment. And we all have access to the social media that we do. We've come up with a creative way to integrate that together and create this syndicated network that we can share the different works that are happening around us by our partners. And in doing so, we can all benefit from that level of cooperation and collaboration. So synergizing the impact that we're having is beyond, for me, a collective impact, a synergized impact takes you know what we have, turns it into what we need, and up-levels the kind of social change that we need. We need to change the way we think about social change, in my opinion, in order to be able to see the kind of uh, game-changing results that we want in the world. So we've started this member alliance called SIGN, the Synergized Impact Network Exchange. It's uh, an exchange in the sense that people are putting forward what they're doing, and people are choosing to get behind them and support them in making these waves. And we have this kind of big, hairy, audacious goal of in the September 2020, the International Day of Peace is on a Monday. So the thought is, well, why not create a World Peace Weekend in September of 2020? And why not create a wave that goes around the world for 24 hours, bringing light to all these solutions around the world, starting in Fiji and launching a decade devoted to achieving the global goals reinventing the planet and creating peace on earth by 2030. So that's our big, hairy, audacious goal. We've been working on a social change game. David Gershon, myself, and many others, David from the Empowerment Institute, ran around the world in 1986 with the first Earth Run. And we believe that enough people believe it's possible to do that, but we just haven't kind of connected up with each other. So we're looking to get connected and to use this opportunity to that weekend launch this decade and and use the challenge of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the global goals as they're known as well, as a framework by which we're going to up-level the, the changes we need and use that decade to achieve that by 2030. That's kind of the 
the big, hairy, audacious goal. And that's what we're doing with Compassion Games and all these other great organizations through this member alliance, this SIGN network. It's SIGN, S-I-N-E, Synergized Impact Network Exchange dot network. Beautiful. Say that again one more time. So if somebody wants to write it down, they can. I want to check out what we're talking about there. It's S-I-N-E, Synergized Impact Network Exchanges, S-I-N-E, dot network. Dot network is a domain. So if you put dot network, you'll come to our site. And you can, there's a couple of videos there about what we're doing. And you can apply to be a member. It's by application. It's invitation only. Um, but we're really focusing on taking our collective capacity for building strength and, and empowerment to a new level. And, and that's my learning there. That's the growing edge. That's where I think we need to turn what we have into what we need. Yeah. So if, if you're listening out there and you are an evolutionary thought leader, change maker, doing the good works in the world and want to amplify your reach and help others, it's really about mutual support, isn't it, Joan? It's like we lift one another up and in lifting others up, I myself am lifted. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, we define if you, you know, if I'm helping you, you're helping me, that's us cooperating. If we're looking at how your gifts and my gifts fit together, then we're collaborating. Or if we're coming together in syntony, if you will, and discovering in the alchemy of the magic of that moment, something new emerges, that's co-creation. And for us, cooperation, collaboration, co-creation, that's all part of making synergy. And, and that's all part of making waves. And that's what we want to make these sine waves in support of each other to bring light to the solutions that will hopefully and, and with our commitment to change, we'll make the changes we need to make in time. Yeah, beautiful. I'm thinking about um, what's what's happening, what I'm witnessing, which is really fun, John, is literally um, I'm watching, you know, individuals get involved with organizations and then they're networked that way and they think that's pretty cool. And then these networks are are organizing greater networks with other organizations. So all of a sudden, it feels as if, wow, your reach is expanding because there's this pod and you're, you're being introduced to all these different people doing amazing things in the world. And what's happening now is we have all of these, I don't even know how many, we can't measure right now, all of these amazing pods all over the planet that are starting to discover each other. So it's like over here's a network of 12 organizations and over here's an, a network of 30 organizations. They've been working together for years and, you know, and then all of a sudden they discover each other and it just grows exponentially. And that kind of growth is at the, it's like the engine of the sign network is we can do this together and lift one another up big or small. Yep. Yeah, and the examples are fabulous when you see them. These waves, you know, all of a sudden, a group that has a couple thousand people on their page is able to reach over 100,000 people. And that all comes because we care, and sharing and caring about each other is, is a powerful way of serving each other. And, you know, this is what we're trying to demonstrate by doing. Knowing is doing. So we're learning the play. We haven't figured it all out, but we're on our way. I'm really, really excited about what we're discovering there. Yeah. And John, you just said we're learning to play. And I just want to bring the play piece back in here again. The 
compassion games is oriented around games and play, but it's not this serious, you know, thing that, that we are competing. It really is bringing levity to some really um, hurting areas in our world and, and, and with humanity and bringing play into it is a brilliant model. It's, it, it, it is so powerful that we all want to just bring more joy. And I love how you always say game on. So what is the what does the game mean to you? Because you are the game guy in my mind when I think of all the networks out there. You're you're my game guy who can make play and fun out of really serious work on the planet. Well, it's funny you say that because you know, I, I really don't play a lot of games in the traditional sense of what we mean by games. But it's kind of brave, kind, fun result. And the gaming for me is, um, you know, a game happens when you say that what isn't is more important than what is. That's what makes a game. You say, oh, okay, you know, ending homelessness in my community, that's more important than keeping up homelessness in my community. And, and games are certain characters. There's always a point to the game. You know, there's players, there's rules of action, rules of strategy. But by making it a game, you can somehow get a different angle on it and see what's it going to take to get people to play. You know, so they're off the sidelines onto the playing field. What's it going to take to empower them to not just know the rules of the game, but the rules of strategy? How do you get better at what we're doing? And how can we learn from each other? So games are not frivolous. There are serious games. And there are some games that... You play, they say, within the boundaries. Those are what's called finite games. But then there's other games where you're playing with the boundaries. And that's what an infinite game is. And that's what compassion games are. They are infinite games. The point of the game isn't to win or lose. The point of the game is to keep playing. And the more people play, the more people win. And it's those kinds of infinite games that are the kind of games that I'm interested in. And certainly um, taking empathy and turning that into action is a game worth playing. But that's an every moment, everyday thing. John, you have some great one-liners, and you have uh, uh, amazing command of language and creativity with language. You're such a creative person. So the more people play, the more people win. It's like you just continue to to bring such richness to any conversation I have with you. I really appreciate that about you. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, this is such another great example, right, of the time and effort it takes you to put on these shows, find the people, connect up, get the people know that all things are connected. And hopefully, you know, I'm eager to hear from your listeners. And I want people to not only amplify what you're doing, but I want them to be empowered with what they're doing. And that's what we need. We need each other to do that. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm counting on is going to happen. Beautiful. So... With we we still have um, a few minutes left in the show, and I'm wondering what your dream is, John. If you could dream a new dream, right here, right now. I know you are dreaming a new dream anyway. What is what is that dream for John Raymer? Well, the future is borderless. This is one of the things I think our generation is coming to see. That I love that. Another wise statement. I'm going to write that down, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but listen to that. The future is borderless. Perfect. You, yeah, please, so please continue. 
Yeah, the overview effect. When they went up in space, they realized looking at Earth that it's yeah. one planet. We really are. And therefore, the nation states are obsolete. Yeah. Um, but we have this medium of communication. That's very powerful. That's why we, the global people, are declaring that three-day weekend. And we, the global people, are capable of discovering each other. And, um, you know, this is what is for us to do. We've kind of landed on this new world and we need to remake the world uh, with a different set of values. And a lot of that's already there. I mean, I've discovered increasingly that um, by listening and by opening myself to different worldviews, we discover how much we have in common. People really do care about the world, they care about their families, they want good. What, what keeps us apart is nowhere near as great as what brings us together. And they say, I love this, Lao Tzu said, in the end, everyone will know that everyone did it. And it's gonna take all of us, and my dream is that we each in our own way awaken and remember, and that we can live our lives and walk in that beauty and loving way. Mm. John Raymer, you inspire me. Oh, I love you, Julie. You're great. What you're doing is good. Oh, thank you. This is just, um, it's been a fun conversation to really dig into compassion games and then talk about the sign network. And I hope we can share this with so many listeners because let's really rock out April and September this year, yes. shall, shall we? And then let's yeah. all come together for that 2020, 2030 goal. I think that's incredible. Game on. Game on. There you go again. John Raymer, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you and your passion so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Julie. Mm, you're welcome. And I want to leave you listeners with these words. Compassion is an antidote to the fear, disconnection, and social isolation of our time. Scientific research abounds in revealing the intrinsic human necessity for compassion to flourish in our personal, professional, and civic lives. As a profound source of power within each of us, playing with compassion inspires us to connect authentically with one another, rejuvenating our spirits as we actively live into a positive vision of our world together. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.